Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. Welcome to another episode of Empowered Returns, and I am delighted here to welcome Rob Baracy to the show of Starkweather and Shepley Insurance Company. And Rob, how are we doing today? Doing outstanding. You nailed all the pronunciations across the board, so we're, we're off to a great start. That was actually my most nervous moment so far on the show, so <laughs> I appreciate <too>. that. <laughs> so you make it. You made it in all right. You got here. Yep. You've been running around all day. You told me before we just hit the hit the film button that you had four energy drinks. Well, I do have a Celsius problem. Uh, <laughs> this this isn't the talk for that, but I, I can admit that I have a Celsius problem, absolutely. Yeah, now we're sponsored by Celsius. It's yeah. great. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but how's 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 life in the uh, in the in the insurance world for you these uh, days? How are things going? Pretty much the same as it is in the construction and development industry. No shortage of challenges, and uh, every day is interesting. Always hurdles to overcome, but some way we all get it done. Perfect. You know? And yeah. and I know you know obviously your your focus um, has been uh, on the construction side, from sort of the uh, construction builders risk policy all the way through stabilization and sort of after post CO. So maybe just give a little bit of background of how you you know how you fell into the industry, what your expertise and experience has been uh, to date. Absolutely. Was it a half hour podcast? Yeah, okay. yeah. So let's try to keep this to thirty four seconds or less here. All no, right, fair enough. Okay, so, take your time. Um, yeah, no, I've been been in the insurance industry a long time. Just sort of fell into it by accident. I did not have family in the industry. Um, was 16 years old, looking for a job that paid eight bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, insurance hired me at uh, Kim O'Neill Insurance across from the Dairy Dome in Stoneham, and he offered to pay me $10 an hour. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I ended up in the insurance industry <laughs> 21 years ago. Um, and so, not to interrupt you, by the way, but yes. that Dairy Dome is pretty epic as it, well. So that was nice. You got to, sure. uh, the, you know, I got to work right across the street. Soft serve dipped in the strawberry <laughs> uh, coating. That was my, my go-to at the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, 21 years ago, that's sort of how we got off and running. And since that time, working for Starkweather and Shepley Insurance, a little bit of a shameless plug, but it's pertinent information. You know, we're the 37th largest independently owned in the country, 300 associates, 15 offices from here to Florida. Um, developed a, a lane in the construction space that serves soup to nuts. You know, primarily it's construction and development. So working everywhere from the subcontractors up through general contractors, up through owners and developers, and in some cases representing multiple hats within that realm where we're wearing the hat of owner, developer, and contractor at the same time too and mm-hmm. navigating those risks. Mm, interesting. And and so I guess just sort of big picture on the in the insurance market in general, how how has the world of insurance changed, whether from underwriting to you know, or costs or just how, how is the big picture wise, how has the insurance industry changed over the over your career? Um, well, insurance is a very reactive industry. Um, forms change usually as a result of litigation. Um, and you know that 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 comes by way of someone getting burned somewhere. Mm. Someone thought they had coverage for something. Uh, it went to court, realized they didn't, and now we've got a new form. Um, so, you know, from a coverage perspective, it's certainly evolved over time. Additional insured endorsements, different versions of said endorsements, and making sure that our contracts, whether you're an owner or you're a contractor, it it it's asking for the appropriate verbiage that obtains the intended conclusion. Making sure we're directing liability to where it's supposed to go so that that individual's policy is triggered and responds in the right way. Um, More recently, how has the insurance industry changed or evolved? Again, very reactive. So we're living in times of 
supply chain issues, labor shortages, inflationary uh, increased costs on construction materials, um, natural disasters, climate change, which is all, you know, we've had more billion dollar disasters in recent times than we have previously, which is having an impact on reinsurance costs, which is trickling down to an increase on rates on the property side, which anybody who's reading any headlines anywhere, you're seeing cat problems, property problems, builders risk problems, all translating into increased rates, higher deductibles, limited coverage, and now a focus on risk control whether it's thermal cameras, fenced, locked, lighted, 24-7 monitored, water intrusion. It's, it's, we're sort of in a perfect storm right yeah. now. Probably why it's a timely podcast. <laughs> and so I think one of the things that at least, you know, I've noticed and, and probably others when, you know, from our clients who are, you know, owners, operators, developers uh, have seen an escalation in these insurance costs due to a lot of, you know, reasons you just mentioned mm-hmm. with, you know, heavy losses and, and, um, and, and uh, you know, whether it's court cases or legal findings that are, you know, adverse to insurance companies or otherwise. So how do you, how do you best, let's just say we have a client that comes to you or you have a client that comes to you that says, hey, I'm a developer. I'm about to put some, you know, so, some forks and then some shovels in the ground here. What's the best way to make sure I'm covered, but I'm not, you know, spending, I'm blowing, not blowing away my pro forma and my insurance costs here? So great Great question, and it happens almost every day. I'm a developer. I'm looking at this project. This is what we're thinking about doing. Um, you know, sometimes we have one year's worth of notice. Sometimes I get 24 hours notice. I'm closing on a piece of land. We're knocking down what's there. We're going to be putting up, uh, you know, five, two duplex townhomes. Um, I, the, I, I operate, or, or at least I want to espouse the, 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 the thesis that the product is the product. Um, it's insurance, it's builder's risk, it's liability, it's workers' comp, it's, it's property insurance. So the product is the product. And we're in a time right now, particularly when it comes to construction, builder's risk, and even on the stabilized property side, where there's, there's not much variation from carrier to carrier. So my first question to that owner developer is, what's the project, what are we doing? Is it frame over podium, how many units, what's the value? If we're if it's a million dollar single family that we're putting up, or if it's somewhere in that realm, it's going to be one track and it's going to be one price. You know, you're probably looking at uh, a 28 cent rate for this frame builder's risk that's going up, and it's going to be a million dollars in completed value on that single family. If we're talking multi-unit up to 10 million, hard costs and soft costs, you're talking a different set of carriers and a rate that's probably going to be in the realm of. Uh, 35 to 40 cents, mm-hmm. closer to 40 cents, 37 and a half, 40 cents. If you're north of 10 million, you're pushing that 50 cents. Um, and then again, if you're if you're north of that 20 million, you're down to a very few handful of carriers that are going to be really specific with the underwriting information they're looking for. They're going to want loss runs on the general contractor that they're hiring. They're going to give it the third degree. And maybe if you're lucky, at the end of it, get a favorable quote with terms and conditions that are agreeable, not too many subjectivities, and a a rate that's closer to 55 cents than it is to 65 cents Mm. once you get over that north of $20 million range. Yeah. And so on those on those larger ones, especially, I'm assuming there's going to be some risk sharing with multiple carriers in those cases. And or is that is that kind of the way it typically goes? And do you, I guess, from your perspective at, 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 at in your job, do you help shop those multiple carriers? Or how does it kind of how does the process work? I'm, I'm coming in kind of green, frankly, I don't know how you I'd love to hear from your perspective on how you help make sure that, you know, the, the client is getting the best 
you know, product for them, make sure they're mitigating the appropriate risks and, and making sure that, you know, the cost is, uh, is, is, you know, best in market or as reasonable as it can be. Yeah. Um, I mean, checking all the boxes there. I mean, the, I, I want to say the cost is the cost, mm. right? We're, we're in an environment now with an insurance environment and an economic environment and a labor environment and a materials environment where, at least from my perspective, with an insurance environment, if you come to me with the specs, we can roughly ballpark who the carriers are going to be mm. um, and what the premium is going to be, what the, what the rate should be. Um, your question was on those larger projects, are we, are we doing quota share with multiple carriers and how does that get shopped or priced? Or are we looking for one tower with one carrier? And really, it, it's, it's almost like a, like a play-by-play in a football game, you know, reading the field at that particular moment, mm-hmm. what does the marketplace look like? Where are we in the year? What does capacity look like with various mm-hmm. carriers? My preference would always be to find one carrier who can give us the full tower of 30 million, 35 million, 50 million, 60 million, maybe even more up to 75 million. Certainly once you're approaching that higher end of the 75 million, you're likely looking at a quota share basis. Mm-hmm. We rely on professionals, uh, allies of ours, wholesalers, yep. um, who can access those, those larger capacities, have reinsurance, go to carriers, structure the deal with a composite rate that's agreeable to our client with the terms and conditions that we want. And either we're getting a quarter share deal with two to seven carriers, or we're getting one carrier that's coming to the table for the whole boat. Yep. And you know, communications at the key of that. You know, while you were asking your question, I just keep going back to communication. It's really important for insurance to be at the forefront, not an afterthought. You know, you're having conversations with your architects, you're having conversations with your subcontractors and your legal team and your your lenders, certainly, mm-hmm. right? Insurance needs to be at that table at the beginning now, not at the end. It always should should have been at the beginning, <laughs> but now it's more prevalent than ever because it's having an effect not just at the onset of the project, but also beyond stabilization as well too. As brokers now, we're sort of being put in that that seat where we need to be Karnak the Magnificent and read the tea leaves 18 <laughs> to 24 months from now to understand what's that stabilization going to look like? What's that lease up period going to yeah. look like? What endorsements do we need on the builder's risk now that we need to negotiate now, mm. you know, and not have to think about extensions, permission to occupy that put us in a bad negotiating position where we're getting raked over the coals with a, with a hefty extension premium with limited coverage, higher deductibles, and now we're in a really bad position. Mm. And, and so what do you think, because um, I think that's a great, a great point of, being prepared as a, as a, as a developer coming into a project, getting them to be prepared. So start thinking about things. And this is the thing that we talk a lot about with our clients. Hey, you know, bring in the right team early mm-hmm. for these projects, because that is what is going to unlock all of this pre-planning that is going to save you money down the road, de-risk your project, you know, go to market better, get, you know, better service throughout the project. So from the insurance perspective, what, do you like to see from a, a developer who is planning a project early on, you know, I, what what can you talk to them about that's going to help them either plan the project better and get ready for everything from, well, just to start with just the sort of the construction period, right? And I know it's also important to think about the, 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 the post, uh, the um, occupancy period and stabilization period as well, of course. But what are some things that a developer could be prepared for that are going to help them you know, find the right risk uh, management insurance product for them. 
Yeah, I mean, at, at a minimum, regardless of the project size, but I mean, let, let's talk about what what's most pertinent that that at least I see every day, and it's going to be those those single fa- high end single families from owner operator construction companies that also have a real estate development arm, and you know they've got an opportunity with a with a piece of land that they can subdivide or they're going to put up townhouses or something like that up to your average. You know, let, let's call it under twenty twenty five million dollar multifamily development mm-hmm. yeah. apartment building. So right off the bat, when we're having this conversation, let's talk about the specs. You know, frame over podium. How many units is there? Parking. Who's the GC? What's the completed value? Specs, renderings, construction budget, and timeline. Specs, renderings, construction budget, and timeline. That'll at least put me in a position to put some applications together, do some basic research, come up with with something that's going to get an underwriter excited rather than just giving them a balance sheet where they're look nobody wants to write frame construction. Mm-hmm. But they do it and they they have to do it and they will do it, but what's going to the 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 competition for this starts at the carrier level not at the broker level. So who can you surround yourself with that's going to create excitement in the marketplace for it's just like trying to find a lender, mm-hmm. you know? Um create excitement about this project that's going to get carriers to compete for it. Now, granted, depending on the size of the project, where it is, whatever, there might not be that many carriers mm-hmm. to compete for it. But getting that information up front and then going to sort of the next tier of questions, who's going to be the GC? What do their loss runs look like? What's going to be the type of job site control that we're going to have? You know, Have you started looking at security cameras? What vendor are you going to go with? Because depending on the size of the project, now that matters. You may be restricted to only a, num- you know, a number of vendors that you can buy security or water mitigation from, or it could be open-ended as long as they check all these boxes. These are conversations that, again, depending on the size, they need to be had. Otherwise, you're looking at multiple comma surprises, mm-hmm. you know, with dollar signs uh, midway through the project that you didn't anticipate previously. Interesting. And so, how much um, how much variation can there be on pricing, depending on you know who you're bringing in for uh, a contractor, or on the flip side, what types of um, you know, whether it's security systems or monitoring systems or otherwise, is there a, a large spread or just some carriers just won't, won't uh, underwrite it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the latter. It's, it's almost like either we can or we can't, hmm. you know, so if you want to get this, this project completed, these are the boxes that we need to check to see this through to completion. These are the hoops that we're going to have to jump through in order to get, get it so that your ROI is what you expect it to be. Um, you know, and knowing what I's to dot and T's to cross and what questions to ask up front and getting that information or at least getting people thinking about it. And um, granted, it's 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 to scale. So on the larger side, you're going to have more questions about job site and risk control and water mitigation and however many units you have, so on and so forth, as opposed to the smaller projects. But it still is a conversation with respect to job site control, monitoring, fenced, locked, lighted, um, you know who the GC is, and and how you and contractual liability as well too. That mm. you know, are we, we need a copy of the subcontractor agreement, making sure that that liability is flowing the way that we want it to flow away from yeah. owner developer. Yeah. So I, actually, that that is a good uh, a good a good next uh, set of questions to trying to figure out sort of how the sort of risk flows. You know, should work, can work. Do you do usually work? Are there any misses and mistakes made in that, and everything from the developer through the GC to the subcontractors to uh, any other sort of participants in the in the project? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it seems mundane, and I think everybody's aware of it in some respect when it comes to certificates of insurance and collecting them up front. But it's really the devil in the details that that we only realize, and I say we, the collective, we realize it becomes a problem when it's a problem, and then we're going back and saying, do we have a signed contract? Okay, what does that contract state? Are we requesting additional insured, primary non-contributory, waiver of subrogation, per project aggregate, all the other boxes that we need to check? Um, and do we have a compliance certificate of insurance? And how old is it? Is that policy still viable? Um, the statute of repose in Massachusetts for construction defect claims is six years. Mm. That's something to be mindful of when you're building something that's meant to last. What does my tail exposure look like on this? Am I going to sell this asset? Am I going to hold this asset? Um, so, it, it, you know, again, certificates, contracts and, and checking those boxes. There's a lot of literature out there. There's, a, you know, surround yourself with good professional people. They're mm. going to tell you what you need to be asking or hire somebody to do it. Uh, Starkweather's partnered with a great firm called Trustlayer that can manage, shameless plug to the Trustlayer people, <laughs> that can manage certificates on your behalf and ensure compliance, monitor them for you. It's all AI driven. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. And 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 so as you're as you're talking about uh, with a, with a developer client uh, the the process of their project and you mentioned and alluded to earlier going from you know construction to occupancy, what are the, some of the things that you look out for or help the developer look out for in that phase of the game or plan for? Frankly, like are there some things that they should plan in the in the in the design process that will help? attain better insurance policies uh, or, or you know, just have a better ability to get the right product for them? Yeah, don't build near the water. You know? <laughs> um, location, location, location. Except yeah. the rents are 50% higher there. That, that too, <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, that that's a great point. And, you know, people are seeking transit-oriented development, yeah. you know, stuff coastal with great views. And, you know, in an environment with increasing property rates, cat rates, cat problems, uh, natural disasters, whatever. Coastal is a problem. Mm. So, so yeah, navigating that and building a tower after the builder's risk side, on the stabilization side, finding finding a carrier or multiple carriers to give us what we need uh, on the property side is definitely challenging. Um, having that conversation up front, it, it just keeps going back to communication, communication. Um, very frequently, within five minutes of me pricing the builder's risk, the next question usually comes in is, what's this going to look like 24 months from now mm. after we're, we're fully leased and occupied? And, and that's a tough, that's tough to say yeah. because rates are changing you know, monthly yeah. um, and appetites are changing monthly. But it's definitely something that we try to model for our clients and draw on different resources to at least give an expectation of what to plan for and budget for. Yeah. Is there, and I know actually from our own experience and working with you, we, you know, sometimes we'll have clients that come to us for, for managed services, maybe at least up and manage, but we get in late in the game and there's a pro forma number on the page that's like, whoa, that's really either just not close to what it needs to be now or you just aren't thinking about the right coverages and we call you and you usually get the job done for us, which is great. Thank you. Um, um, but let's just say earlier on, if someone, or actually just in the market now, I know we no one has a crystal ball. We don't necessarily know where mortgage rates are going with, with financing debt rates, but we also don't know whether insurance markets mm -hmm. are going necessarily. But today, <clears throat> how would you frame out like a, a budget for um, for for a stabilized uh, property um, today? Call it, you know, well, how, 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 how do you frame it out? Is it by square foot, you know, by number of units or just uh, any any 
all Any, of the above. Yeah. I mean, I, I hesitate to even throw a ballpark out yeah. there because it can vary so greatly based on construction type, location. Is it apartments? Is it condos? Does it have a pool? Does it have a rooftop pool? Does it have a rooftop deck? What floor is it on? Does it have solar panels? So it, it, where it used to be easier to ballpark it and say, plan on 400 a unit, mm. you know, or plan on 700 a unit, um, I could, I could, Ballpark it, you know, it, it, without knowing what the asset is or where it's located, you know, you could ballpark it at 450 bucks a unit seems reasonable. Mm. But if you're going to throw a curveball at me and I'm looking at this beautiful, where is this behind you with the, the, the deck and the sunbeds? And, that um, is, uh, that's actually in, in Brighton. Yeah, that's beautiful. beautiful. That's a condo project actually in Brighton, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, beautiful sunbeds yeah. on the roof overlooking yeah. Boston. Uh, looks like a, a three foot balcony rail with uh, compliant banisters in between. <laughs> but I'm pointing these out because that's what's on the supplemental questionnaire when they ask us about the roof deck. And I'm not seeing any solar panels, so that's a good thing. But it, it all plays into it. So it could very easily take a project from what you would expect to be 350, 375, 400 a unit to 900 a unit. Mm. Um, and then, you know, what level of umbrella liability you want to buy, whatnot. So it's, it's, it merits, there is a way to benchmark it. There is a way for us to have that conversation. Um, the one thing that I'll add to that is, you know, over the last 24 months, it's been quite tumultuous, maybe even longer than that. Rates have stabilized, mm -hmm. insurance rates, but they've stabilized at levels that are higher than we've ever seen previously. Mm -hmm. So we're better able to budget and have an intelligent conversation about it, but there might be some sticker shock that you're going to want to know up front. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we've certainly noticed that, um, you know, over the past couple of years and just um, for all the all the properties and buildings that we operate, just the costs have been, you know, appreciating or going up. Um, so over on like, what's it? Yeah, so no, so, so, yeah. absolutely. Yep. I mean, across the board, we've, we've seen costs going up in a lot of various expenses and whether the, you know, so-called controllable side or the uncontrollable side like like um, insurance. But yeah, of course, rents have gone up. There's been some appreciation. So all, all of those things have, have worked. It's in, the, in that same vein, and I apologize for interrupting, but no. it's pertinent because it, it's it's not just for the new construction. It's for the existing construction mm -hmm. as well, too. Assets that have been on the books for the last 15 years, 20 years, right? I, I won't even say 30 years. I'll, I'll even say 10 years. Something that we wrote 10 years ago, things in the environment have changed so rapidly over the last five years, 10 years, that carriers are now going out and finding that Assets are underinsured 50% to value, mm. you know, and they're, they're hiring uh, inspectors to go out there, loss control reps, and ordering loss control surveys on all these existing assets that have been on the books forever. And you're seeing what was once valued at $3 million is now really worth 6.8. Mm. I shouldn't say worth. I should say the cost to rebuild it in this environment, yep. if it were to burn to the ground now. And number one, that's generating more premium for the insurance carrier. But from the consumer perspective, you're likely not aware of that 90% co-insurance clause on your policy or an 80% co-insurance clause on your policy that states if my asset is not insured 90% to value, I'm going to have a co-insurance penalty if I have a if I have a loss. Mm. You know, um, so something to be mindful of. Uh, definitely. Yep. And, and so on, on that note, because I think that is an important factor to 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 consider and remember is like what's the best way for an owner of a of an asset to make sure that they are properly covered, they have enough. You know coverage in whether that's you know total value or or the various um, you know riders they may need for various things that are going on in the in the property. Constant communication, constantly revisiting this. It, it's more important now than ever before to be meeting with your broker at a minimum on an annual basis. You know, I mean, I'm, a lot of my clients we're talking with daily, weekly, at a minimum quarterly 
um, just to make sure that we're dotting our I's, crossing our T's. Um, you'll find that if you go to market, you know, let, let's say you're, you're sitting on an asset, that, you know, whatever, pick your number, and you haven't shopped your insurance in the last 10 years. And then you go to market and you realize that, you know, carriers will offer a quote on this, but you're currently insured for five and a half million. They want to insure it for, you know, 12 and a half, you know, and that's going to limit that. That now boxes you out of those carriers that would have originally quoted it if it was less than 10 million bucks. Now you're talking a 12 and a half million dollar valuation, a totally different tier of carriers, coverage needs. Um, ordinance and law is a, is a great thing to bring up at this mm. time as well, too. You know, you've got a um, changing building codes. And let's say you've got an asset that's 10, 15, 20 years old. What limit do you have for code upgrades? Uh, what limit do you have for an undamaged portion of the building that now needs to be torn down in order to rebuild it safely and bring it up to code? A lot of surprises that can happen mm -hmm. in the event of a claim, and it merits revisiting this stuff now more than ever. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think we, we've, we've experienced that in the past. We've, we've sort of are advising clients uh, uh, as much as we can to make sure they're walking through all the scenarios with their insurance broker because... There are coverages like ordinances and law, and you may have a loss, but a lot of the repair value or replacement value is is because of they need to make necessary upgrades. It isn't covered under a under just a standard the standard policy. Same goes for rents. You know, if your if your policy isn't written on what we call an actual loss sustained basis for business income, and you've got a declared value for rental income, there could be a coinsurance clause in there as well too, or maybe that hasn't been updated to reflect the increasing rate environment. And in the event of a loss, you're not going to be paid what you've lost mm. because of policy limitations. Um, the, the, and just in the vein of a push towards passive construction, environmentally, environmentally friendly construction, green construction, that all comes with it increased costs where you know, the replacement valuation has to be treated differently because if you do suffer a loss, you want it to be rebuilt with the same like, kind, and quality. Replacement cost has a different meaning mm -hmm. and different dollar value associated with it now. Yeah, no, that, 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 that all makes a lot of sense. I think it just continues to, you know, everything as you're going through this conversation, as we are going through this conversation, everything is just, you know, very much says, okay, this is not just getting more expensive over time like everything else, but complicated as well, right? Sure, so yeah. how do you advise clients or how do you, and you mentioned communication, and but from your service, you know, and your team's service with clients, how do you communicate all this to them? And how do you make sure that they're understanding the types of coverages they need, not just that what the cost is, not just like, oh, shop around for the lowest cost, but what do you actually need for coverage and how do you communicate that to clients? Listening to the Charles Gate podcast for one, <laughs> you're going to get all your there updates and yep. cutting edge information. Um, you know, how, how do you stay on, on top of this stuff? I mean, really industry associations, panels, discussions. Um, you know, rely on your professional partners for email blast. You know, just just pay attention to the information that's coming across your desk. We live in an algorithm world. You're not getting information in your inbox by accident. Granted, you know the ones about credit cards and you know vacation to Jamaica and whatnot might be. Yes, but, I'm waiting uh, for that one. Um, you and me both. <laughs> um, but you know, th this information is pertinent and ask the questions. You know, just like you're doing now. If you get, just ask the question. Forward the email to your broker and say. Is this something I need to be thinking of? You know, we live in a 24-7 age. I'm getting text messages all the time. You know, the text box is the new inbox. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you want to be heard, don't be shy. Definitely have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so, so I think that's such a key point. Is sort of, I, I like to say the phrase here, keep your head on a swivel. It's an old sort of hockey term, right? So just mm -hmm. keep your head on a swivel. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going around you. And then seek the right guidance, the right advisors, good professionals in, in whatever sort of field is the necessary field, whether it's insurance in your case here. 
but just, you know, we're always advising clients, you don't have to go this alone. You don't have to figure it out on your own. There's so many good people in a lot of different fields that are, um, that are throughout the development industry that can help, right? And so that's, that's always really the key advice I'm giving everyone. Just assemble that team. Early is better, obviously. You know, oftentimes they're not, you know, there's no, there's no fee to them to pick your brain, you know what I mean, in most yeah. cases here. so And it, it costs much less to do it the right way now. Have these frank conversations with professional partners that even if you're, you're contemplating something, uh, you know, whatever it is, have that conversation now and understand what the impacts are going to be because it's going to cost you much more in the event of a loss and then we're putting toothpaste back in the bottle, writing the ship, finding a new carrier because we're being non-renewed. The carrier didn't realize what they were actually on. Now everyone's finding out that you know you're you're creating uranium in the basement, or you know have a have a pit bull, uh, you know daycare that no, nobody wow. was aware of. These sound like true stories, Robert. Are they true stories? <laughs> uh, names have been changed to protect the yeah, innocent. Exactly. No, no, none of that. Um, but you know there are. Curveballs. I get yeah. curveballs every day, and I'm always learning every day. And calling underwriters and saying, "Have you experienced this previously?" And um, there's there's a solution for it. And we just it's just find, pulling on the right levers and professional partners to find the solution that makes the most sense. Totally. I was, I was actually a little nervous that the FBI was going to come down and batten down the door here and uh, be like, "Uranium? Where's the uranium? Where's the uranium?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Here we go. So. Um, are there any common mistakes that you see made, whether it's a you know contractor or developer as they're going through the process at all that you that you notice a lot? That's like, hey, if I could just you know whack them in the head and be like, don't do that. It's just, it's always the simplest things. It's it's just making sure you have a contract in place and making sure you have a certificate. It's usually the bare minimum that gets overlooked. Um, like you said, keeping your head on a swivel, um, but also there. The, we live in a technology age. There's ways to make things easier for owner developers so you don't need to shoulder such a heavy burden by yourself. Um, I, I thank God all I do is sell insurance and I don't manage or develop real estate because there's too many moving parts and too many spinning plates. And kudos to you guys for, for staying on top of it and being such wonderful partners to your customers. And it's easy to work with you because you have the information at your fingertips. Um, but you know, again, surrounding yourself with professional partners. But to, to your to your question of, you know, common mistakes is we we find out there's a problem when there's a problem and say, geez, if we just had a signed contract, if we just had a certificate for workers' comp for that sub, mm. you know, we wouldn't have a, a situation uh, that we're dealing with right now. And um, you know, we have templates, we have sample certificates. We it's super easy to forward a contract to uh, to a sub or to a, a contractor and and say sign this, attach your work order, give us a compliance certificate that matches what my broker has given me. Throw it in a file and and worry about it the mm -hmm. next time. Yeah. That's great. So someone could reach out to you and say, hey, do you have do you have templates or for for whatever it is, certificates yeah, that's, that's or whatever else? Part of our job, if you want to play in the space of construction. You need to be well versed and have these documents at your disposal. Um, we're, we're very fortunate at Starkweather to have a loss control and safety team that I can rely on for OSHA issues, DOT issues, um, you know, hazmat, and what, whatever question it is. Um, you know, for sure, definitely re reach out and and reach out to your broker and make sure you have these at your disposal. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. That that is, I'm sure, super helpful for a lot of a lot of folks going through this, especially you know, even I would say I was gonna say there's you know newer developers or inexperienced ones or inex less experienced builders, but really for anyone, honestly, 
I think it's so easy to say, hey, we have these forms that we've used before. We have these templates. We've been through this. We've seen this before. Here's how to do it. It's mm-hmm. just so helpful in a lot of cases. And I think that that goes back to what you were saying earlier with your shameless plug, saying the communication matters. And that's where it matters. This is the type of stuff where real, true, good professionals can be so helpful and not just be like, okay, what's my lowest cost I can find? And we all, you know, as you said, the product's the product and the cost, product the cost is, is so the many cases. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about good service and helping you avoid those mistakes, avoid those risks that you don't need to take if you have the right guidance and communicate well. Insurance is just one way of financing risk. That's it. It's a promise to pay in the event of a loss, right? There's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes and that should be going on behind the scenes to insulate yourself from liability, direct it where it's supposed to go, where it's intended to go. We're not asking anybody to take on undue risk whether it's a subcontractor, a tenant, whoever it is. A tenant should have their own tenant's liability policy. You can pick one up online for, I think, 250 bucks or something like that. You know what I mean? Just to have that $500,000 in liability protection and you know a little bit of minimum contents coverage, and now you're compliant with the lease that you're signing as a tenant. Um, same with subcontractors. You know, you're, you're putting your name on a contract, and you know if you, took, if you take the time to read it, you're understanding, okay, I'm taking on some risk as a subcontractor in this project, and that might cause some shock, but you should also understand that you have a liability policy that's intended to cover this. Mm. You have contractual liability built into that. You have additional insured included on a blanket basis already. You have a lot of stuff that's intended to respond to stuff like this. The mechanisms are already in place. We just need to execute on it as a team Mm -hmm. so that things, when stuff does go sideways, things respond the right way and it avoids litigation. Mm. Yeah. And and that sort of raises another question actually as far as the entire, um, you know, risk policy, like when you talk about, you know, property insurance, liability insurance, you know, hazard, uh, you know, whatever it might be. How do you, you know, umbrella policies, how do you think about structuring all of that and making sure you've got the appropriate sort of total package of coverages? 100% 100 case by case basis. Um, The lines have blurred so much between owner, contractor, design, uh, management, um, you name it, the lines have blurred. So understanding the entities involved, and this this sort of piggybacks on what, what we were just talking about, but understanding the entities involved, the responsibilities involved, where we want responsibility to be, and contractually ensuring that that, that it goes the right way, that, okay, this is what we're intending to happen. We're going to agree to this contractually and share this with your broker so that I understand where how we want things to work and then buying policies as a promise to pay in the event that things don't work out the way we expect them to work mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, everyone's familiar, general liability, property insurance, builder's risk, worker's comp, uh, you know, multi-peril policies, additional insured. You know, we're, we're familiar with the terms, but, you know, owner's interest liability, when does that come into play? Umbrella policy, what limit should I be buying? Um, you know, directors and officers, professional liability, so on and so forth, pollution liability. Um, let's let's talk about not just what we're dealing with now, but okay, where are we going with this? Not just where are we going with this project, but okay, if I'm talking with a business owner, an owner developer, a contractor, independent owner developer, where are you looking to go? Does it make sense now to get out in front? If you're going to start GC in your own projects and taking that on internally as a one-man shop, that's a heavy lift. You know, instead of buying on a project per project basis insurance policies, maybe it makes sense for us to take a holistic approach, 
come up with a projection of what you're going to have for subcontractor costs coming through your checkbook over the next 12 months and structure a policy with an umbrella, get the contracts in place and set us up for growth mm -hmm. and success mm -hmm. down the road. Yeah, so I, I think, again, that just exactly speaks to the point where you can really do some planning ahead of time to help you build the policies that make the most sense over the next 12, 24, 36 months rather mm -hmm. than going project to project or contract to contract on, on some of these. On some of these so. Yeah, I mean, this, this is our job as insurance professionals. It's not just, you know, here's your oranges, procuring, a, a, <laughs> you know, just making a transaction and executing on that. Now more than ever, it's so important to, like going back, this comes full circle now, having a seat at the table at the beginning, talking with ownership, talking with the GC, talking with the lender. What are the lender requirements? I know what the insurance requirements are going to be and, and what we need to do to properly insulate ourselves from risk and ensure that liability is finding its way through the proper channels. But throw a curveball in there from a lender requirement, and now it's something else to think about and another, another line item on this project. Yeah. So knowing that up front uh, so that you're not finding out at the closing table is important. Mm, mm. Interesting. So, and so I would say um, I think there's been a ton of a ton of great advice here, uh, Rob, for for all the all the things you talked about. There's so many things to consider and th so many things to understand. Um, you know, what's the timetable you usually tell people to say? When's the best time to get in touch with you or like start to explore these things? Uh, is it? Do you have a recommendation on that? Now, yeah. um, <laughs> conception. You know, at, at 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 the conception of this idea that you have, because. In, you know, for, for what, regardless of what it is, you know, if you're thinking about a subdivision or if you're thinking about just building a single family home, um, there's just whatever the case is, it's going to change over time. And we understand that. And especially now in, in this environment of increasing costs, changing mortgage rates, changing insurance uh, forms, rates, so on and so forth. I mean, the environment is changing so quickly now. Um, your design might change. So what was pertinent information six months ago when you got a quote isn't going to be accurate now. I mean, just, just as, a, as a quick aside, for the most part, I'm seeing builder's risk quotes open for two weeks. Mm. Oh, wow. You know, here's your terms, conditions that we've worked on the la for the last three months to pursue and structure this deal. It's good for 14 days. Mm. You know, that's, that's according to the quote. Now, can we keep stuff open longer? Yes, but... Certainly, if terms, conditions change, if the exposure changes, if, if the design changes, whatever it is, this is something we need to be talking about. So yeah, the earlier the better is when you need to be having a conversation with your broker so that you understand fully, not just I'm going to have to buy a policy for this, but also what else do I need to be thinking of in terms of contracts, in terms of job site security, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then even 24 months, 36 months down the road for stabilization. Mm. Well, Rob, anything else I didn't ask you about the insurance world that you think is important to, to touch on? I think we covered all of it. <laughs> we hit the entire landscape of, of insurance. Good. Yeah. And one thing we haven't touched on, though, knowing that we chatted a little bit before the show started, but your family growing up or your 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 uh, your, your parents and your, some of yeah. your family growing up in yeah. and around Medford and around yeah. the corner from Bob's and all working from from at Bob's. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, true to form, you put two Italians in a room and we're going to be related <laughs> by the end of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, come to find out, Mike, you, you know, your family's one block down from where That's my right. family grew up. That's right. Um, you know, yeah, Small originated world for as sure. North Enders and nice. then went to Medford, you know, true to form and yeah. right next to Bob's Deli. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, grew up in Stoneham. That's fantastic. And played so, hockey too. Nice. I didn't yeah. know that. See, this yeah. small world. Yeah. That's, that's pretty I cool. I told you, we keep talking. That's, we're going to be cousins. Right. We, we, <laughs> 
let's stop the conversation now before we figure that out. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, no, but so 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 you you would know this question then about Bob's, right? So let's just say somebody. I don't I don't know who that somebody is, but let's say somebody used to eat those deluxe Italian sandwiches like twice a day from yep. Bob's. Well, how much is that going to affect their insurance? Uh, <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not in the life insurance business, and I stick only with construction. But uh, the best best Italian and chicken parm, Bob, uh, Bob, Bob's is the best. If I'm ever driving by, I have to pop in and grab seriously, a sandwich. My parents still live right next door, so it's yeah. uh, tough to avoid for me. So it's great. Funny. Anyway, small world, Rob. But I just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out and say hello? Yeah, Starkweather and Shepley Insurance. I'm happy to throw my cell phone number out there. It's 774-218-8277. That's always the best way to reach me. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn as well, too. Rob Baracy, um, SVP at Starkweather and Shepley. And yeah, I, I welcome all calls. I love having conversations. This is exciting for me. This is what I live for. I genuinely enjoy it. So I'm happy to have conversations anytime. Very cool. Well, thanks, Rob. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Returns. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMello with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.